Welcome to the Tilted Halo. This is a new podcast and it's for anybody who's a woman in ministry. You might be a pastor like myself, a bishop, a priest, a rabbi, music minister, elder, children's minister, whatever your title is, you're absolutely in the right place. Especially if you're someone who loves your ministry and you're doing it well and you're feeling pressure to sometimes be perfect and deep down inside, you know you're not. And how in the world to deal with that? And men, you're absolutely welcome here too because this is about ministry and the same thing can happen to you. So you're all in the right place. Let's get started with the show. So many churches I see have out in front a big sign. And oftentimes that sign says, welcome, in some way, manner, shape, or form. And then you walk in the door and the question is, who's really welcome here? Who is really welcome? I remember hearing a story from um, a pastor about in his childhood, uh, his family would go on vacation and wherever they were on Sunday, they would walk into a church and attend the church service. And at the end of one of those, you know, average American Caucasian family with a couple of kids, they would walk into that church service and afterwards at one particular place, absolutely no one said hello to them. No one. And so this male pastor's mother walked up to a couple of people and said, hello, my name is and we're visiting here. And she got some really weird stares. <laughs> Who is this stranger walking in and doing this? You know, unfortunately, that's true of a lot of congregations in a lot of different ways. I've been a pastor at a number of congregations, and I have visited since retiring. I fill in sometimes at congregation. And if asked, every single congregation I've ever been to says, oh, we're a very welcoming congregation. But are they really welcoming? What would happen in those congregations? And I could tell you the answer all too often. If somebody from a different racial group walked in, Oh, boy, the discomfort would be felt all rippling through that congregation. I've seen that. I've experienced that. What would happen if somebody walked in who had a child that was really pretty noisy? And in the middle of the service, maybe even came running up the aisle? Boy, would there be fingers wagging. Oh, that parent is not good. They don't keep track of their kids. But I've also known of a congregation where there was a young child who did come running up the aisle at a time when the pastor, happened to be a man, was giving his message. That pastor walked 
you know, the, the kid came right up to where the pastor was. And what did that pastor do? He stooped down, picked up the kid, and held him in his arms. Just like nothing out of the ordinary ever happened. And continued right on with his message. And you know what happened since that time? There are more families there with young children. That one thing spoke volumes more than any words ever would. There's so many different people who we leave out because the truth is we're not really comfortable with them for whatever the reason is, and there are many different reasons. Um, I've been a pastor in a congregation where there was a, a young child who, the first time I saw him in worship, he came up for a children's sermon, and he was maybe about six, I'd guess. And his younger brother brought his older brother forward. And I thought to myself, this is a little strange. And I soon realized that this older brother uh, also had some other behaviors and ways of being that um, were perhaps not normal, not the typical, shall we say, and realized that he might indeed be autistic. The family never said that word. It was like they were ashamed of the word and ashamed of that idea. But I said the word, and I talked about autism when it was appropriate in a sermon in a very positive way. And that began to open that family up, to allow them to minister, for me to minister to their son when he was in his teen years and having some difficulties, to come visit him, to be with him because they knew that I could understand in ways that no other pastor had before. What happens when we say, mm, yeah, you're welcome, but... But you got to do things the way we'd like to do them. you got to be part of the family. There are congregations I've known where everybody's related in some way. You don't dare talk about anybody because you're probably talking about a relative, to a relative. That's great. It's nice. It's a family church, but... Heaven helps somebody new who moves into the community. Or like myself as a new pastor who came into that kind of a community. You just don't fit unless and until the people in that community decide you do and are willing to accept you. And yet they're kind of deciding that you fit their image of who somebody should be, instead of accepting you, or in this case it was me, for who I am, just as who I am. Not that I have to fit a particular image there. 
And then we get into the whole issue. I mean, there's the whole issue of immigration today, for one, and the families with children uh, or without children who are seeking refuge in this country. It's a very polarizing issue for this country politically. What if somebody from south of the U.S. border walked into your congregation? What would happen? Would they be welcome? Maybe they're migrant workers. Would they be welcome? I mean, truly welcome. And if we say, we'd be kind of uncomfortable with that, remember, Jesus was a refugee at one point in his life. He and his parents were refugees when they fled Herod after his birth and spent time in Egypt and then had to come back. So, you know, if we exclude refugees or immigrants, who are we excluding? We could be excluding God and Jesus or an angel coming to us. My ancestors were refugees and immigrants coming to this country. Yes, they banded together in like colonies and groups, but at some point or other, they had to be accepted into the broader community and fabric, and they had to accept others in the broader community and fabric of this country. It took time, but they did. We don't have as much time these days. We need to be open to accepting people. And then there's the whole issue of those who are different of sexual orientation. Gay, transgender, LGBTQ+. I've seen congregations with a sign out says, Welcome. Are they really welcome? Would somebody in the congregation say something about, well, why are you here? Instead of accepting the gift that they bring into your congregation. I think about all of this in relationship to the diversity that God gives to this world. And go out into any woodlot. And what do you see? All one kind of tree? Maybe. Place where I've lived tends to farm trees. They have tree farms. That's nice. They can grow a lot of certain kinds of trees that many of them are pine trees that are used in the paper industry and things like that. It's great. But there was a time not long ago when a certain kind of weevil got into, or um, beetle, got into some of those trees. And it started killing trees. The only way to stop that insect was to cut down all of the, if there was an infected tree, cut down all of the trees within like a hundred feet of the infected tree. And that ends up cutting down a lot of trees. 
especially if you have a number of trees that are infected. And I also have the experience as a child where my grandparents used to live in a major city and the trees lining the street that they lived on were all a certain kind of elm tree. And it was gorgeous because all of the residential streets in that city had these same elm trees in them. And the elm branches grow up and then have a very graceful curve, kind of an outward curve. And the streets were just wide enough for two vehicles to pass. And if anybody was parked on one side of the street, you could only get one car, one vehicle past them. So it was that kind of a street. And because of the arching of these branches, they met over the top of the street. And it formed basically a cathedral arch over the street. And in the summertime, you had this green archway tunnel that went as far as the eye could see when we turned down Grandma and Grandpa Street. And in wintertime, when the leaves were off, because this was up north, and if there was one of those delicious snowfalls where the snow stuck to the branches, it was like icing on all of these wonderful branches. And it was equally beautiful, a different kind of beauty, but equally beautiful. And I grew up with all of that there and loved it. But when I was early in my ministry, or maybe I was still in seminary, came home to visit one time, and I was in the car with my parents, and we were going to go visit Grandma and Grandpa, and turned, or as we approached, I looked down one of the streets, the residential streets, a couple blocks before Grandma and Grandpa's, and noticed some of the trees were gone. And I made a comment about that. And they said there was a beetle that had become into the trees and it was infecting those trees. And the city was trying everything in its power to try and stop the spread of this beetle because since the branches touched over the road and they also touched on the same side of the street, it became a perfect highway for these beetles to go from one tree to the next. And also they would drop down onto a vehicle and the vehicle would drive them down to the next street and they kept spreading. Well, my hope and prayer was very much that they, the city would find some way with insecticides, with fertilizers, with ev- anything that they were trying, chopping down dead and you know infected trees, whatever, to stop the spread of these beetles before they got to my grandparents' street. It was probably six months, maybe more, before I got back to visit my grandparents again. And I was again in the car with my parents. And I had kind of forgotten about this stuff with the Beatles until we, again, were approaching their street. And I looked down that first side street. There wasn't a single tree left on the street. I looked down the next one. No trees. And the next one, I was afraid to look again because I was afraid of what I would see. I was just praying that hopefully there were still trees left on Grandma and Grandpa's street. And then we turned down the street, not a single tree. The city had to make the decision to chop down all of those trees 
throughout the whole city. And that was the only way to stop the spread of the beetles. So what they did, they did replant trees, but there were no trees of the same variety across each other on the street or even next to each other. That meant there, there were at least two different varieties of trees on each street, at least two. And it reminded me that God created diversity in this world for a reason. We are stronger. We are stronger when we welcome those who are different from us. We are much stronger when we get the new ideas, the new cultures, the new experiences from someone else and welcome that into our midst. A forest has its strength in the diversity of the trees, not in the similarities. A garden has its strength. A crop has its strength, not in having the same crop in the same field over and over and over again, but in the diversity, replenishing the soil, replenishing who we are, not always with fertilizers, but with the unique capabilities from each different kind of plant. We need diversity. We need each other. We need all of the gifts that each person brings, regardless of who they are. There are ways that we can show more welcome, yes, but the greatest way to show more welcome is to be open to learning from somebody who's different from us. Yeah, to be really open to that, to say, hey, welcome. Please tell me who you are. Where do you come from? I'd like to know. I'd like to know what that's about. It opens us to hearing the good gifts that come from another culture, to experiencing something new that can excite us and to bring uh, a wonderful, fresh feeling into our ministry. It's easy to judge. It's easy to say, oh, somebody's different. I don't like what they do. I don't like how they look. I don't like how they smell. I don't like how they act, whatever it may be. Maybe you don't. But in excluding that person, just be careful who you might be excluding. Because when we think we know who God accepts, I can guarantee you, you're going to be wrong. We're not called to be God. We are called to be ministers, to be pastors, people who minister to others. We're not called to be God. And when we decide somebody's not good enough to come in to be part of the congregation we serve or to be with us, beware. Because God may decide that the person who's going to get left out might just be us. I don't want to be on the outside with that. I don't want you to be either. And most of all, 
I want you to know the gifts that other people bring. I've experienced that from other people. It's delicious. Share the gifts. Welcome the gifts from others. You may be surprised. The person who seems least likely may bring the best gift of all. So, who are you welcoming? Welcome everyone. Let God decide who's... If anyone's going to be left out, let God decide that. That's not for you and me. As a Christian, we say Jesus died for us all. If we leave one out and say Jesus did not die for that person because we don't like how he or she behaves, why should Jesus have except us too, you know? We're no less sinners, if we consider that, than anybody else. So welcome everyone. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're called to do too. Come back next week for another show. You have been listening to Tilted Halo with me, Kathleen Panning. What did you think about this episode? I'd really like to hear from you. Leave me some comments. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this episode. And catch another upcoming episode for more conversation on ministry, life, mindset, and a whole lot more. Go to www.tiltedhalohelp.com where I've got a resource guide and other resources waiting for you. And be sure to say hi to me, Kathleen Panning, on LinkedIn. See you on the next episode.